Section two of Some Famous Women by Louise Creighton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter one Saint Hilda. Amongst our forefathers, the wild German tribes who conquered Britain and made it England, women had always held an honorable place. This made it possible for them in the days when the Christian faith was first preached in England to do a great deal to help the work of the church. They did not have to spend their days in fighting like the men, and they were eager to listen to the new teaching which showed them many different ways of serving God and helping their fellow creatures. Probably it was the Christian wife of Ethelbert, King of Kent, a French princess, who helped to make him willing to listen to Augustine, the missionary sent from Rome by the Pope to convert the English. Kent was the first of the English kingdoms to become Christian. In the northern part of England there was a great king called Edwin, who ruled over Northumbria and had his capital at York. He seems to have heard much in praise of one of Ethelbert's daughters, Ethelburga, who was so beloved in her family that they called her Tata the Darling. Edwin sent messengers to ask Ethelburga's brother, Eadbald, who had succeeded his father as king, to give him his sister in marriage but Eadbald said that he could not give his sister to a heathen. Edwin would not be refused. He sent messengers again, and said that if only he might have Ethelburga as his wife, he would allow her to worship in her own way, and would be willing to adopt her faith if, on hearing more about it, his wise men should decide that it was better than his own. So Ethelburga was sent to York with Bishop Paulinus as her chaplain. Edwin was true to his word, he treated Polinus kindly, and after a while listened to his teaching, and when he had consulted his wise men, and they too were willing, he decided to be baptized. Quickly a little wooden chapel was built on the spot where now stands the great minster of York, and within its walls Edwin and many others were taught the Christian faith. On Easter Eve, in the year 627, he was baptized. Many of his nobles, as well as members of his family, were baptized with him. Amongst them was a young girl, his great-niece, the princess Hilda, then fourteen years old. We do not know anything about Hilda's life as a child, nor for some years after her baptism. Her mother and her sister were also early converts to Christianity. In some way, Hilda must have continued her Christian education. Most probably she lived at a religious settlement in the north, and was busy in some sort of work for the church. In those days, all girls either married or entered a convent of some kind. Hilda, a member of a royal family, would certainly have been sought in marriage had it not been known that she had in some way given herself to a religious life. Many royal ladies were founders of convents. They received grants of land from their fathers or brothers, and gathered round them those who wished to live in peace, away from all the fighting and disturbance of the world. Many royal ladies retired into convents after their husband's death, or sometimes even during their husband's lifetime. In the convents they could study or do beautiful embroidery for the churches, care for the sick and aged, or teach the children. It was considered the holiest life that a woman could lead. Those men, too, who wished to lead quiet lives and to spend their days in study rather than in fighting could only do so by retiring into a convent. If it had not been for the convents, in early times there would have been no books, no learning, no art or industry. 
it was by the people who lived in the convents that the land was drained and cultivated and that sheep and oxen were reared france had become christian earlier than england so there were more famous convents there and ladies belonging to the english royal families used to go over to the french convents to be educated and often retired to them to end their days we are not told that hilda was sent to a french convent to be educated but her sister harris witha who had married the king of east anglia went after his death to a french convent and hilda prepared to join her there hilda was by this time thirty-three all that we know of her life since her baptism is what the old northumbrian historian bede tells us that she lived very nobly among her family and fellow-citizens somehow her virtues and gifts attracted the notice of aden the holy bishop of lindisfarne who was working with zeal and devotion to win the wild people of the north for christ he seems to have been hilda's friend and adviser and he wanted her help in his work when he heard that she was thinking of going to join her sister in france he begged her to remain among her own people and to help them hilda yielded to his wishes and she first settled down with a few companions on the river Ware. But soon afterwards she was called, in the year 647, to be head of a convent in Hartlepool, which had been founded some years before and was the first convent for women in that part of England. Those were very anxious days. There had been Christian kings in Northumbria who had made it into a great and strong kingdom, and with the help of Aden and other holy men, had made the people Christian and brought peace into the land. But the Northumbrian kings were attacked by Penda, the last great heathen king in England, a fierce and mighty fighter, and it seemed at times as if he would utterly destroy the power of the Christian kings. Hilda in her quiet convent must have waited anxiously for the news that came of the fighting between Oswy, the king of Northumbria, and Penda, who, with his great army of fierce fighters, seemed to rush like a torrent over the country it was eight years after she had gone to hartlepool that oswy with a much smaller army utterly routed penda's great host in a battle in which the fierce old heathen king was himself killed before the battle oswy had sworn that if he gained the victory he would give his infant daughter to god and he now sent his little alfred not yet a year old to his kinswoman hilda to bring up in her convent with his daughter he gave also a rich gift of land so that hilda might be able to extend her work the little elflade was a great delight to hilda and grew up to be her dearest companion and fellow-worker hilda had done much at hartlepool she had learnt all she could from wise men as to how to order a convent aden and all the religious men who knew her used to visit her constantly they were glad to teach her all they knew, and they loved her dearly because of her wisdom and her delight in the service of God. In those days the work that women could do for the church was highly esteemed, and the abbesses who ruled over the convents were very important people. They had to manage large estates, as well as to order all the different kinds of work that were carried on in the convent. Many of them were very learned women, and we know of Hilda that she was always eager to learn, and knew well how to teach others what she had learnt. After she had spent some years at Hartlepool, she decided to found a new convent on some of the lands that had been granted to her by King Oswy. She chose a beautiful spot, on the top of a high cliff 
overlooking the sea at the mouth of the river Esk. This spot was afterwards called Whitby, and by that name Hilda's famous abbey is best known. But though in later times a beautiful abbey church was built there, the ruins of which are still standing, all that Hilda could build was a rude little church made of split trunks of trees thatched with rushes. Round the church stood the huts in which Hilda and her nuns lived, with their kitchen and their dining hall. Farther off, but still in the enclosure of the convent, were huts in which monks lived, for in those early days it often happened that men and women joined together to found one convent. The monks and the nuns lived apart, but Hilda ruled over all of them alike. Some of the monks tilled the fields belonging to the convent, and there were barns and farm buildings as well as rooms for writing and study. Over all these different men and women, Hilda ruled firmly and wisely. They were all treated alike. There was no one in her convent who was rich, and no one who was poor, for those who came there gave all their possessions into the common store. Hilda so ruled that peace and charity prevailed amongst them all. All who knew her called her mother because of her singular piety and grace, and the fame of her virtues spread far and wide. She loved learning and wished all to study, and made them give much time to the reading of the Bible. Her own wisdom and prudence were so well known that many people, and amongst them even kings and princes, came to her for advice in their difficulties. Amongst those who studied at Whitby, many grew afterwards to be famous, and five of those who had lived under Hilda's rule became bishops of the church. But of all the dwellers at Whitby, the most famous was one who had begun life simply as one of the workers on the farm, the sweet singer Cadman. In those days at feasts, it was the custom for one after another to be asked for a song, and the harp was passed round the table, each taking it in turn and accompanying himself whilst he sang. Cadman thought that he could not sing, and when he saw that his turn was coming near, he used to get up and quietly leave the table and go home. One day he had left the feast in this way and gone to the stable, where it was his duty that night to take care of the horses. Having done his work, he settled himself to sleep. And in the night one stood by his side, and calling to him said, Cadman, sing some song to me. He answered, I cannot sing, for that reason I left the feast and withdrew to this place, because I cannot sing. But he who stood by his side answered, However you shall sing. What shall I sing? asked Cadman, and the answer came, Sing the beginning of created beings. Then in his dream he sang in praise of God the Creator with words which he had never heard before. When he awoke, he remembered what he had sung, and added more verses to those which had come to him in his dream. He told the steward who was set over him of this gift of song that had been granted to him in his sleep, and the steward took him to the abbess Hilda. She bade him in the presence of herself and of several learned men repeat the verses which he had made, and they all decided that it must be through the grace of God that this gift had come to him. They explained to him a passage from the Bible, and bade him go away and turn it into verse. Next morning he came back and recited to them the excellent verses which he had made. Then Hilda bade him give up his work on the farm, and come into the convent and become a monk, that he might devote himself to cultivating the gift of song which he had received. She directed some of the brethren to teach him the sacred history contained in the Bible, that he might turn it into song. After they had taught him, 
Cadman would think over all that he had heard, turning it over in his mind as the cow chews the cud, till he brought it out again as harmonious verse, which he would sweetly repeat to his masters, who now in their turn became his hearers. He sang of the creation and of the doings of the people of Israel, and of the life and sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ, and tried by his poems to lead men to love virtue and hate vice. Through his sweet singing great fame came to Hilda's convent, and after some years he died there in great peace and holiness. We are not told whether Hilda was able as time went on to build a more stately church in place of the rough wooden one which she had at first put up, but it seems most likely, considering the fame of her abbey, that she must have done so. She probably was friendly with Benedict Biscop, the abbot of Wearmouth, which was also in the north of England. Benedict Biscop had made many journeys to France and Italy, and he first brought to England glass windows and beautiful vestments for his church, as well as skilled masons and glass workers from France who taught their craft to the Northumbrians. We cannot doubt that Hilda, with her energy and her wisdom, got some of these men to come and teach her people also how to put up beautiful buildings. Perhaps Benedict Biscop may have given her some of the treasures, vestments, pictures, or vessels for the church services which he had brought back with him. The fame and importance of the Abbey of Whitby is shown by the fact that it was chosen as the spot in which to hold a great council of the church in 664, when many bishops met with King Oswy to settle matters of great importance for the whole church in England. Hilda had to care for the entertainment of this great gathering and take part in their discussions. They had met to decide whether in certain matters the customs of the Church of Rome or the customs of the Church in Northumbria should be followed. Hilda was in favor of the customs of Northumbria, but when King Oswy decided that it would be better to do as the rest of the Church did, she was wise enough to give in to his decision, seeing that these were matters which concerned only the order and not the teaching of the Church. We know that Hilda founded at least one other convent herself, and several others were founded in different parts of England in imitation of the great abbey of Whitby. For many years she ruled her convent with wisdom and diligence. At the end of her life she was called to bear the trial of a long illness. For six years she lay ill, but during all that time, whenever possible, she would still teach those under her rule. She bade them serve God dutifully when they were in perfect health, and always return thanks to him, even when in trouble or suffering. How to do this she showed by her own example, for all through her long sickness she never failed to return thanks to God. When at last she felt death drawing near, she gathered all the inmates of her convent around her, and having bidden them to live in peace with one another and with all others, she joyfully welcomed death, who came to take her from her sufferings to new life. She died in 680, at the age of sixty-six. Elflade, the daughter of King Oswy, who as an infant had been confided to Hilda's care, succeeded her as abbess. Hilda was honoured as a saint by the church after her death. End of section 2